This podcast is brought to you by the Gosh Learning Academy. Welcome to episode three of the Quality Improvement Podcast series. Over this series of six podcasts, we will be joined by staff members of the Gosh Quality Improvement team. In today's episode of the Quality Improvement series, we'll be discussing engaging stakeholders. We're joined by the QI teams, Rhiannon Follett and Lucy Turiff, with a special appearance from one of their project stakeholders, Matt Comales. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having us all on the podcast, Rhiannon. We're really looking forward to today's discussion. Our big question in today's episode is what to do when you've got a great idea, but you're not sure how to get anyone else interested. I'm sure we've all had those experiences where we've tried to get others involved in something that we feel really passionate about, but it hasn't quite worked. And sometimes we find people can even be actively resistant to the idea. So today we'll be looking at how we can overcome this. Is it possible for us to motivate others? And another personal issue that I've experienced is how can we keep energy high throughout a project's journey? To help us answer these questions, we have Matko joining us today, who's one of our stakeholders in the Deteriorating Patients Programme. Matko Hardland is still making some incredible contributions to this project, so we're so grateful that you've joined us today, Matko. Welcome, Matko. Thank you very much. So I think the first question from me and Matko will be, obviously, we've been working together a while now, but I wasn't there for the start of the Deteriorating Project, so it'd be really interesting to hear how you got involved. Yeah, so I reflected on this recently. I got involved by accident and it was a corridor conversation I had with a colleague who leads the project and is a good colleague and friend. I had a a small leadership role at the trust at the time and the colleague said to me, well, you know, this would be a really good thing for you to be involved in, for your team to be involved in. And I said, I'd take it back to the team and see if we could fit it in within our portfolio. And then the colleague sort of eventually asked me to do it directly. And so I took it on and then attended some meetings. And initially the steering group meetings were really good. They were really engaging and really dynamic, but I wasn't quite sure about how much time I'd have to commit to this. And I remember one week meeting when then we were put into breakout groups and I sort of accidentally ended up being nominated as a chair of one of the subgroups and initially was really reluctant to do that. But actually I've never really regretted it since. And I'm actually delighted that kind of almost serendipitously I ended up in this position. And since then, I think my enthusiasm for this has really grown. That's amazing. And it's, yeah, it's funny. We often hear of those corridor conversations, people joining projects as a result of a corridor conversation. Have there ever been times where you found it harder to engage with this project back okay. I think the biggest challenge for lots of staff in these kind of things is time. You know, most of us do this kind of in our free time, effectively. We have a job, but most of these kind of projects aren't strict requirements of the job. And the NHS runs on a huge amount of goodwill. But I think the key thing for me when I have felt really short of time and short of ability to commit to this is to step back and think, actually, if we haven't made progress for a month or for a few weeks, that's okay. As long as we look back over the six months of the year and we can see the real progress we've made, that can really kind of help me to think, actually, it's fine if for a month people are really busy. And I think COVID has also taught us that in that there have been months where really very little has happened for various reasons. And I think that's okay. As long as we accept that, we're not always expecting ourselves to be overachieving. I think another thing that I've found at times difficult to engage with the project is when I've felt that I'm the only person doing it. And my role in the project is that I'm one of the sort of few medical people in, in, in the group, particularly in my subgroup. And I've really wanted some more support from other colleagues who understand my perspective, but actually the support from the QI team has been phenomenal. And then together with colleagues who've kind of helped me to engage others, that has made it feel a bit less lonely for me. And then getting extra colleagues in has been another thing I found really helpful to increase my own engagement with it. That's amazing to hear your reflections on taking the long view with improvement work and improvement. It's a journey, isn't it? And actually seeing those 
instance results can build engagement, but actually it's that commitment over time that will really, really yield that lasting improvement. With your role leading the subgroup, how have you found engaging other colleagues? Have you found yourself on the other side of the seat where you're trying to engage others to get involved in this piece of work? Yeah, I mean, I'd say that's probably one of the hardest things about leading it is to try and really engage other colleagues, particularly when, for example, things are going slowly or when we maybe haven't had any demonstrable impact despite hours and weeks and months of work. I've always found the support of kind of multidisciplinary colleagues really helpful in that. And I think sometimes medical staff can be particularly difficult to engage in these things. And I think that's sometimes because the demands on our time are so varied that it, it can just be really tricky to add one more thing onto your schedule. But that's actually the case for all staff in the NHS. Everyone's busy in their own different ways. And I think by making people aware of some of the really good successes we're having, it's becoming easier to engage people. So now that I can actually say we've got some data to suggest there have been small, albeit really small improvements that have actually happened, can really help to engage people in that ongoing improvement process. And I think now that we're getting more build done, for example, in Epic, in our electronic healthcare system, it's really helping to demonstrate people to people visually the impacts of, of what we're building. So I think as it grows, it will almost snowball an avalanche and get easier to engage people. Yeah, absolutely. You just, you learn people motivated by different things, aren't they? And as you say, some are happy to jump on board in the really early stages of a project, not knowing where it might go. But yeah, as you're saying, as some data becomes available, as some tangible things have been done through the program, you suddenly start to see others catch on and exactly that snowball effect. So Maka, you touched upon what motivates you and the support from the QI team. Is there anything else that motivates you? And is there anything that demotivates you as well? Yeah, so I guess the key thing that motivates me about this project in particular is the fact that I think we're actually making meaningful improvements to the care of children. And that's kind of what we're all here for. That's why we do the job that we love is to improve the health care of children and the experience for their families and, and carers and for the staff within the hospital. And I think that's probably the biggest motivator for me about this project is that it's very clear to me that once we get the finished product here, it will be an improvement. There's no doubt about that. Don't know how big the improvement will be. I have absolutely no doubt there'll be a significant improvement for the care of children at Great Ormond Street. And that's probably the biggest motivating factor that I try and remind myself of when I am feeling like things are moving slowly or we've hit a stumbling block, for example. I think the thing that really demotivates me sometimes is, is when people dismiss things that we've done. And I don't think they mean to do that, but sometimes in meetings, people can seem quite dismissive. Maybe the way they speak about something, maybe the way that they just brush over something that you've spent months working on. You think, hang on a second, I've thought about this for hours and you've just dismissed it. And I think once you step back from that, you realize actually people have different perspectives. They have different views on things. They also have different levels of tolerance for certain things. And Colleagues in the QI team in particular have actually taken me back when I felt a bit demotivated about these things and said, hang on a second, look at all these achievements, look at all these people that agree with you compared to the one who maybe doesn't. And that's actually really helped to ground me and given me the bigger picture that actually we do need to press on. And, and always with these colleagues who maybe disagreed initially, we've found a way around it, but it can at the start feel quite demotivating. That's really insightful, Matko. Thanks so much for sharing about your experience because it really can be an up and down journey, can't it, of, of feeling motivated and then those setbacks, which we've, just, we've all experienced at, at different times and in, in improvement work that we're trying to do. And I love what you've drawn out about actually keeping that, that end goal, which is the improvement to our patients and really believing that this project will make a difference to the care of our patients and that being the thing that can pick you up in those moments that you're feeling demotivated. I hope that anyone listening that wants to get involved in a QI project has found it helpful to think about these different ways of engaging stakeholders and how that journey can be full of its ups and downs. And we hope that you all have as much of a positive experience as Matco has of being involved in an improvement journey. 
Mac, I can't thank you enough for all your answers. That was really interesting to hear. So we're coming towards the end of the episode. So I think it'd be really useful for the listeners if we could go over some of the top tips for engaging stakeholders and the best way to work with them throughout a project. Yes, definitely. Some key areas that I choose to focus on is that right at the start of any improvement program is building the relationships from the beginning with your key stakeholders and taking the time to know, get to know individuals can often be the key to your project success. Thinking about who might have an existing interest in this topic or who might be affected by the change or be able to affect the pace that this work is able to drive forward. And often meeting on a one-to-one basis first, having that corridor conversation before going into this larger, larger meetings where it's far harder to build those relationships that become really key to a project's success and building that sense of team and shared goals. Yeah, that's definitely something I witnessed when I first joined the QI team. I don't think I appreciated how much work went into building those relationships, like the regular catch-ups and the emails. So it's really interesting to hear. Often, it, yeah, it's the conversations that happen outside of the project meeting yeah. itself that could be most important and really, really drive things forward. Another key tip would be finding adaptable ways to communicate your project to different people, just as Matt has picked up on so well, is that people are motivated by different things. Some, some people really want to wait till there's data to evidence that something's working before they're willing to commit and get on board. Others, actually, what is the real reason for doing this work? What is the, what's the difference that it's going to make to the patients? That, that may be the thing that they find much more powerful and want to jump on board. And not, neither is right or wrong, but it's the adaptability of finding different ways of communicating what you're trying to do to really engage that diverse group that you need to deliver that complex and up and down improvement journey. Thank you so much, Matt Coe, for joining us today. We do know how busy you are and we really appreciate it. To end this podcast, could we just ask you, what would you say to somebody that's listening that's thinking about getting involved in a QI project? Thank you, first of all, for having me. It's always a delight to talk to the QI team and um, you really do support us so well as clinical staff and other staff who maybe don't have as much experience of the process and the team is phenomenal. And I guess I would say the first thing to someone who's thinking about getting involved is to speak to the QI team. They'll give super advice, even if, you know, a project doesn't take the shape you maybe originally intended to, but have a chat to them because I think they're all incredible people and I've really benefited from their support. And also have a chat to other people you've worked with. There are lots of other staff who've done QI projects and I think we can learn a lot from our shared experience. Thank you so much, Matko. Thank you, Rhiannon, Lucy and Matko on that brilliant run through of how to engage stakeholders on your quality improvement journey. If you'd like to learn more about how you can use QI to improve your service at GOSH, you can find lots of information about the team on our GOSH quality page. By visiting this page, you'll also be able to navigate the GOSH quality hub, where you'll be able to find a fantastic range of tools and resources to help you get started on your improvement journey. Do keep an eye out on GOSH Den for upcoming QI courses, and of course, follow the quality page on Twitter at quality at GOSH. We hope you'll join us next time for the next part of our quality improvement series. See you then.